have we gotten how have we gotten more dysfunctional over time? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it is an accomplishment. Okay, here we go. I'm rolling. Okay, okay. hey. All That's right. an accomplishment in itself. Game time. Let's I fucked myself up by <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now that's going to sound like the fucking sync lab. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey. Let's sync clap in three, two, one. Welcome to One Does Not Simply, where three friends take on the Lord of the Rings and go on some unexpected journeys. I'm Wanda. I'm Navia. And I'm Ashani. This is episode 44. One does not simply close the book. As always, there will be spoilers for the entire Tolkien verse ahead. With that said, let's get into it. Podcast together ever again if we don't watch fake news. That is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Every other podcast we do, I think the next podcast we do should be complete insanity. Yeah, it will be because we refuse to edit it. (laughs) That's right, listeners. All of the absolute unhinged content you've heard has been the edited version (laughs) up until now. Yeah, right. Uh, All right. Hey, dear listeners. We are back with the final chapter of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And this chapter, The Grey Havens, uh, does what it says on the tin. So this is really a chapter about Frodo and Sam primarily rebuilding their lives in the Shire, or Sam, at least, rebuilding his life in the Shire, and Frodo coming to the realization that that's not actually going to be possible for him. And then in the last couple of pages, really, Frodo says he's going to go on a journey uh, because Bilbo has surpassed the old Took in terms of ages, in terms of ages, um, in terms of years. Wow. You're doing great, babe. You're doing great. (laughs) We're doing so good. Um, So Bilbo has finally surpassed the old Took. And so he is going to go see him and they actually encounter the elves, uh, coming to meet them on their way to the Grey Havens. And I think as we all know at this point, and if you don't, what are you doing here? Frodo, along with Bilbo, Gandalf, Elrond, and Galadriel, an assortment of other elves, take the boats from the Grey Havens across the sea. And the book ends with Sam returning home on his own to be with his family. Well, not really on his own. No. Well, I mean, in the sense that Merry and Pippin go most of the way back with him because Gandalf is like, man, I thought it'd be really shitty for you to have to do this whole ride back all by yourself. So I called Merry and Pippin. A surprisingly sensitive move from Gandalf. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Given that he just dropped them off at the gates of the Shire and was like, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of administrative questions to ask (laughs) about that. (laughs) But also, yeah, surprisingly sensitive move from Gandalf and surprisingly insensitive move from Frodo to take Sam along on what Sam presumably thinks is like a birthday trip to Rivendell. And then all of a sudden Sam has to find out and have this like revelation moment in front of Elrond and Galadriel where he realizes that he's never going to see Frodo again. 
and Frodo does not even think to say goodbye to Merry and Pippin or to bring them along for Sam to ride home with. Mm-hmm. Do you think Sam didn't know, though? Because, like, it, I felt like he kind of at least had a suspicion of what was going to happen. Because, I mean, it, it's not like he hasn't seen Frodo kind of declining for the last, you know, two, three years. I actually wondered if it was maybe the other way around, if Frodo didn't entirely realize that he was making the decision to leave until he encountered the elves. Well, he had to, He I thought he like, he had to tell them, right, that he's he wants a spot. I assume that's how it works. I, I don't know that he did, <laughs> right? I don't know that he had necessarily, like, you know, written them a letter and gone, by the way, can I get a ticket one way to... <laughs> Non-refundable. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I kind of read it as he knew that his part of the story was done, but if... Like, I could have seen it being, oh, he's going to just go to Rivendell and then maybe stay in Rivendell until the elves leave. But the fact that they met him on the road, like... Yeah. What we should really be asking is why, when Frodo said, "Uh, could you spare two weeks to come with me? Sam never asked where, right? Because that seems like kind of an important question. (laughs) But that's also not really the relationship they have or have ever had, right? Like, Sam just goes where Frodo goes. Mm, I wouldn't say so. I think Sam has made some executive decisions or quarreled with Frodo's judgment on many occasions. Yeah. But it's kind of implied, right? Frodo definitely makes it seem, and I cannot believe we are doing this, like being very, oh, we're going to just talk about the logistics for 45 minutes. Um, But I love it. (laughs) Nobody wants to deal with the emotions. (laughs) Yeah, right. All of us just being like, oh, feelings, gross. Um, I do feel like Frodo implies pretty heavily that the trip is, oh, you're going to go with me part of the way Mm -hmm. to Rivendell. Because Sam even says like, oh, it would have been nice to go to Rivendell, but I can't really basically spare the time um, to be away that long. So it's, I think there's sort of this shared understanding, which again, how much Frodo is like actively misleading him versus just doesn't really know how immediate it's going to be. Yeah. Which is kind of always how it goes with big decisions that you make that impact people in your life. Mm -hmm. You're never really, because you make the decision partly in tandem with the other people, you're never really, totally set on it until you come to some kind of you know moment when you have to shit or get off the pot and then it can be a weird dissonant awakening for the person that is impacted by your decision because they are not making that they have not been brought along to that decision point exactly in tandem with you do you feel like frodo owes sam an explanation or a part in this decision because if to me like this is yes obviously like you know sam is a big part of his life but i i feel pretty strongly that like decisions like these that have to do with like the course of your own life like you don't ever owe somebody an explanation for it yeah i would say so i think that like i think that what frodo owes sam is a little bit more of uh, expectation setting as opposed to the like <laughs> yeah. bomb drop of I'm going to the Grey Havens forever uh, when they are in the company of elves and Sam is already having his mind blown by the beauty of the elves already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Although he does kind of leave the door open a little bit. He's like, you can't come right now, but like you were a ring bearer. So like maybe someday. Yeah. Is it implied that Sam goes to the Grey Havens later? I think I think he does. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's in one of the appendices. That See, this goes, is why we have to read the appendices. Oh, no. I think we could just do fine. Like, this is what Control F is for, is that we just go find, like, the relevant page instead of reading all, like, 150 horrible accounting of the years. Like, yes. good, good luck Control Fing this book for Sam. No, you look for, like, Grey Havens, right? That only shows up a handful of times. Sure. So just to be clear, sorry, this is, like, more of a uh, pedantic thing, but the Grey Havens are not actually the Undying Lands, right? The Grey Havens is where the ship sets off from in order to go to the Undying Lands. Yes. Cool. Okay. Just want to make that clear because we're talking about going to the Grey Havens a lot and, like... What's actually happening is that he's going to the Grey Havens to go to the Undying Lands. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Grey Havens is where you take the Bolt Bus to the Undying Lands. Yeah. It's basically like a Port Authority kind of situation. <laughs> right. This is a ferry terminal. Yeah. Populated by the only old elf in existence. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk about. Yes. We're going to continue to talk about logistics instead Kyrden of anything is, else. Kyrden is an elf, right? Kirden is an elf. Okay. He's one of the first elves. Um, and I don't understand how aging works because Galadriel and Kirden are like from the same era of elves. So is Elrond, actually. Mm-hmm. But Kirden is described as being old in this, like he's bearded and old, whereas Galadriel and Elrond are like still beautiful and young. How does aging work? Is he described as being, like, old? Or is he described as being bearded and we all just kind no, of... No, no, it says bearded oh, and no, old. Oh, no, it says yeah. and he was gray and old. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's literally what it says. Save that his eyes were keen as stars. You know what this is? This is the the blue collar, white collar divide among the elves is that because Kyrdan is the shipwright Mm -hmm. right like that's his title and so he's Mm -hmm. literally like by the ocean making ships which is the only elf in middle earth with a job yeah right (laughs) meanwhile Elrond is like oh yes I can sit on a horse and hold a harp and that's why like he and Galadriel are still fresh-faced because... Galadriel sits on her palfrey, whereas Círdan has to uh, swab the deck. <laughs> I guess, okay. I'm, I'm doing some, some quick lore searching here. So they're not... Like, Círdan is at least one generation older okay. than Elrond and Galadriel. Because he was, like, around mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. the slaying of Morgoth and everything, where they were, like, just appearing around that time. Are you telling me that he might be the oldest living thing in Middle Earth? <laughs> Uncredited. He might be the oldest living thing on Middle Earth. <laughs> um, but still, it's it's weird. Like I don't when do elves stop aging? I mean, I could see it being some weird fantasy world bullshit, like the way you age is related to your experiences, or like where you choose to stop aging, or like 
where the expectations of the, you know, like, also part of it is just that I feel like it's weird to be like, here's this really old, like, from before Middle Earth was even really a thing dude, and he looks like he's a hot 25-year-old. It's like, no, 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 his name is Kierden the Shipwright. He needs to have gray hair. <laughs> he needs to have a beard. If he has one of those little, like, blue and white striped right. knit right. hats, that's all the more better. Yeah, he's, uh... Maybe you can choose how you age as an elf. Maybe that's just his vibe. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it's, like, maybe it's the amount of time that you are on Middle Earth as opposed to in mm-hmm. you know the other places. yeah elrond and gladriel are piecing out because they're like we don't want to stay here and get old like that guy <laughs> apparently i'm i'm just again reading this uh this lore but apparently kirden is one of the last elves to leave middle earth so mm. so he gets real crusty by the time <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like he's so old <laughs> uh okay yeah we gotta we gotta do a little bit of the the feelings talk, right? Because we mm-hmm. we're talking yeah. around. Be- before we get to that, can we real quick just talk about um, Sam rebuilding the Shire with the I, with the trees? No, that's that's I think the feelings talk. Oh, right? that is, is the like, feeling. All right, cool. That's the first let's part of it. the feelings talk, right? Okay. Is like let's talk about how Frodo and Sam respond to being back home because I think that's something that is really. It was one of those moments where I sat there and I went, fuck. Okay, Tolkien got better at writing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that was an impactful kind of section for all of us. So, I, yeah, I do want to talk about, like, how did you feel about Sam basically rebuilding the Shire? The first thing that I, re- like, realized when I was reading this part was that now we're back in the Shire the time no longer moves in days or half days. Mm-hmm. So time is moving in years. Yeah. Right. There's a whole page just about the things that happened in the year 1420 by Shire Reckoning. And then we're in 1421. And I think we get maybe most of the way through 1421 before Frodo goes off on his journey. And that really gives the entire chapter this feeling of like, nostalgia because you're reading it and you realize like you know what's going to happen and the fact that you're seeing all of this time go by so fast for me it like it 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 was um bittersweet because you're like you just want it to kind of stay like that and you definitely start to see things from sam's perspective because sam is the one that's experiencing all of this um and you know looking at a future in the shire yeah i it, this this chapter was like kind of like an epilogue and i mentally just immediately started comparing it with the most hated epilogue of all time <laughs> the harry potter epilogue and there are some similarities in the sense that we do get this like you know the happily ever after of like that year in the shire everything was awesome like <laughs> we had the best corn ever we had the best long bottom leaf ever everything was great everyone is happy sam has a baby sam is married like everything is like working out and you get that sense but then like unlike the other epilogue like we get to see first of all why that's happening right we get to mm-hmm. see the work that goes mm-hmm. into making that happen and yeah. also it there's the whole time it's interspersed with 
And then, like, Frodo was sick that day, but then he, like, got up again and he was okay. And you can see that something is not quite totally A+. And I think that is what makes this, like, a successful epilogue, where it's, like, acknowledging that not everyone has the same type of happy ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. And eventually giving it back. You know, like at, at the end where Frodo gives Sam the book, mm-hmm. like giving it back to Sam and saying, like, this is your story now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it tie- it ties in with like, you know, it, repeatedly throughout the books, Frodo and Sam have been talking about, like, are we going to make it home? And Sam is always like, oh, like, I want to be, you know, like the heroes in the storybook and then tying it back at the end with like him getting to write the last few chapters of that story. Like, it's a really beautiful way to wrap that thread up, I think. This whole thing that he does with like the box that he got from Galadriel um, mm-hmm. and, and replanting the trees. I remember like first reading this as a kid and like I got emotional at this chapter when that was happening. And I didn't really understand why at the time. I was just like, this is yay. I'm happy about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like reading it again, I, like I was like, this is. I, I still can't quite pinpoint why this is one of my favorite things that has ever happened in a book, but something is so, so beautiful about him like replanting these trees and replanting the party tree in particular um, and having it, you know, I, I, I don't know. Help me explain why this hits me so hard. <laughs> I think what it is, is that there is a difference between like we see Sam work hard Mm-hmm. All three books, right? Like hard work is something Sam does all three books, throughout all three books. But most of that is because he has to, right? It's obligation. It's duty. It's this is not joyful work that you're doing because you're like, yes, I'm really excited. This is the thing I love. This is the thing I want to be doing. It's like he's working because he has to. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it because he wants to go back home, right? And the things that bring him joy are like Frodo and gardening. And here at last, we finally get to see Sam work hard because he wants to, right? Like really mm-hmm. genuinely wants to. And it feels like all of the things he's done to get himself to this point and now finally he gets to mm-hmm. like and it's not just like oh and then you did it and you're like because we could sit there and go like yeah sam gets known as a hero but like what has he always wanted is like he's wanted to be able to stay by frodo's side and he's wanted to be able to go back home mm-hmm. to his garden and to rosy cotton and like back to his life in the shire and he gets that yeah yeah, and if you read the whole chapter as a prologue to Sam becoming the most important person in the Shire and eventually becoming the mayor, mm-hmm. which it sounds like he does later, the fact that he is doing as his first act this replanting of trees mm-hmm. makes you really drives home like this is the way that things are done there. And this is what like yeah, this is the this is what this is what it means to be a leader in a place like this i think it's moving for that reason i also i think like it's a a, another way that tolkien is writing that like nothing is forever because when they come back to the shire and it's been destroyed by saruman that's the first like see like nothing good can last forever but then also destruction doesn't last forever either right things can be Mm -hmm. replanted and regrown and like whatever evil happened is also not forever 
Yeah. And since we've already invoked the epilogue that shall not be named, um, (laughs) except we both invoked it and named it, right? Like, I think what was meant to happen there is what Tolkien actually achieved here, which is this idea of, like, a good ending isn't an ending. A good ending feels like all we're doing is taking a step back but behind the curtain like all of these things all of these people are going to continue on like and all of these things are going to keep happening right Mm. like it's this i don't even want to say like oh it's the start of something new although in this particular case it's like yeah sure okay you could say it's the start of like sam's next chapter in his story but it's that feeling of like it is a living world Mm-hmm. Right. And also, like, trauma doesn't just go away. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the, I think one of the things that people hate the most about the epilogue that shall not be named is that, like, like, Harry goes through so much trauma in those mm-hmm. books. And then, like, we don't get any of, like, how that manifests in his adult self. It's just like, well, he was fine and his scar didn't hurt again. Yay. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's super unrealistic. And I think what Tolkien d- gets right here is that, like, just because, like, you accomplished the thing that you were doing or just because the main crisis in your life has been resolved or whatever it was, that doesn't mean that, like, everything that happened on your journey there just goes away and you're not the same mm-hmm. person that you would have been otherwise. Yeah. Well, and also acknowledging that, you know, when uh, you do something to turn the page in your life and leave the trauma that you've experienced behind or try to heal from it it can be still a bittersweet thing Mm -hmm. like like frodo going to the gray havens i think is not just sad because it's sad for sam and for mary and pippin it's just sad because it's sad like he he it's uh he's leaving his home and he's not able to do the thing that he thought that he was going to do and that in itself is like very it's just sad Right. And but at the same time, like Tolkien gives you all of that, the the depth of how hard that is, even though Frodo is doing something good for himself. And it's it really like I, I don't know if I can explain it, but it it just you get all of that kind of in equal measure. Yeah. And there's I mean, if we're going to talk about trauma, right, like Sam even names it that Frodo doesn't get the honor and the recognition that Mary and Pippin and he himself do. And I feel like it's that trauma piece, mm-hmm. right? Of like people don't really know what to do with somebody who comes back from one of these awful experiences and feels really yeah. significantly changed in a way that they can't fix, right? Mm-hmm. Like Mary and Pippin come back changed, but Mary and Pippin come back like, if anything, sort of healthier and- like, <laughs> They are living it up. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're strong. They're strong boys now. Um, and it's great for them, but- like Frodo doesn't come back that way, and mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that it, as much as Frodo feels like he doesn't fit in in the Shire anymore, there's kind of this like return feeling of the Shire doesn't really know what to do with Frodo either. I think it also like kind of stems from the fact that Frodo never planned to come back at all. Like yeah, throughout this entire journey to. Mordor that he was on like Sam was always the one that was like we gotta go home like we gotta plan for the return journey and Frodo had never like it wasn't even that he didn't want to think that far ahead like I don't think he planned to come home yeah 
And so yeah. this is kind of something that he was totally unprepared for handling emotionally is being thrust back into the world that he used to inhabit, but that he's not a part of anymore. Right. Yeah. Do you think that the the fact that Frodo gives everything that he has to Sam and gives Sam the red book and says, this is now your story. Did you guys feel when you were reading the chapter, like when that happened and Frodo departed, like all of a sudden Sam kind of became the main character, like for a very brief moment at the end? I mean, you know, I've been arguing that he's the main character the whole time. Right. True. Yeah. um, For me, when I was reading it, it like, even though I, I would agree with you and I felt that way, um, at many points in the book, it it really felt like that was formalized at the end. Like that was like you were you're kind of officially permitted now at the very end to think of Sam as the protagonist because he is no longer he's inherited all of his master's stuff, right? And he he's now the last person in Middle Earth who completed that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious if you guys felt any of that or if you does it feel like sam kind of became more of the protagonist in the last chapter i feel like it solidified my opinion that he's always been the protagonist (laughs) um like i was i started reading this chapter and i was like oh this is all sam like this chapter is essentially from sam's point of view and it follows him the whole time with like little mm. anecdotes of how Frodo is feeling or what Mary and Pippin are up to, but this is a Sam chapter at its core. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we're like ending on a chapter from his point of view. He is the main character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I hear what okay, you're saying. Fair, I hear fair. what you're saying too, where it's like, I do think there's a sense at the end. I, I've I've always found him to be the main character, but I think you're right in the sense that he becomes the hero at the end, right? Especially when Frodo's telling him mm-hmm. like how he's going to become mayor and he's going to do all these great things and all that stuff. I was like, oh, like this is basically him transitioning that like you are now not just the person that we're following as the main character, but you are actually the hero of this story now, of of this next yeah. story. I guess I yeah. kind of thought of it more of like, well, okay, two separate thoughts, right? One is this whole thing about grief and death and, like, Frodo is very explicitly saying to Sam, like, I am going to leave your life in this very permanent way. I am going to leave that... your ass. <laughs> yeah, well, but, like, it's true, right? Like, he's basically saying, I'm going and I won't, I can't come back, even if I wanted to. And your job is to keep living because at the end of the day like everybody is their own main character right like you have to live your life for yourself you can't just always be living your life for other people and Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of that but then I also as you were talking had the thought of like oh there's some deep shit there about like Frodo gives Sam the book and says like the last few pages are yours to finish out this chapter of the story and then you close the book right because it's not a whole nother book it's like you finish this story and then you set it down and you live your life right like all of these things about sam's many other children and like being mayor aren't going to be detailed in the red book that's not what the story is of that particular book sam's going to go on and live and then i thought about like as readers at this point we close the book and we go on about our lives. No, and I'm we like, don't. I don't. There know. are appendices, Ashani. 
don't. Shush. <laughs> Tolkien's like, no, fuck you. You don't get to put this book down and continue on. Sorry, right. finish your deep thought. <laughs> no, but that was like, I genuinely had the moment of like, yeah, but it is, right? I mean, the experience of these books is that they are compelling enough that you set them down and that experience has changed you, even though mm-hmm. you then go on and continue living your life. There's also the callback to Bilbo giving Frodo the book at the beginning, right? And saying mm-hmm. like, you, I wrote down my part of the story and now you finish your journey in here. Yeah. and. I think Sam or Frodo giving that to Sam is kind of the permission to do the same, like the permission to start your own life without me. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's not clear how many pages are in the book. There might be like one page left, honestly. But like, I think it says something about like a few leaves left blank. Okay. So mm-hmm. presumably it's not like uh, Frodo wrote like this much and then there's still like that much, you know? Are we going to talk about Frodo asking Sam to move in with him? Because... <laughs> Uh, we should. Okay, well, <laughs> Tolkien Frodo... said, Tolkien said, polyamory rights. Yes. Years before New York State did. That's right, yeah. And I, yeah, they're they're all just going to live in a big sapphic hole <laughs> together. Is it sapphic if it's, it's meant? It's definitely not sapphic. <laughs> yeah. I just, I meant that more in the literary sense, by which I mean, I don't know anything. Um... I don't think they're that's... they're writing lesbian poetry. <laughs> I do not think this word means no, no, what no, you no. think I, it I means. I mean, like, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's something, there's, there's some reference that I'm like that I'm forgetting that has to do with Sappho. That's like about like a bunch of like lesbians, like all kind of like living together, but in like a way that like transgress even like the romantic mm-hmm. relationship, mm-hmm. like where it's just like a bunch of women in kind of like some friendly, some po- like some like romantic relationships kind of all cohabitating in the same space. Yeah. So listeners, just for context, what we're talking about here is that Frodo at some point in this chapter is like, Sam, when are you going to move in with me? And Sam is like, well, I kind of wanted to marry Rosie Cotton. And Frodo is just like, great. Both of you can live with me in a beautiful throuple. <laughs> and it is fantastic. Um, I love it. it. It's really great. I thought that was actually so beautiful. Like the, the, paragraph that it's about them all living together was said something like sam thought that he was like the luckiest hobbit alive and frodo knew that to the extent that sam was lucky he was even luckier because no one's ever been taken care of it's so cute (laughs) actually really and then frodo getting to name his daughter and like picking such a beautiful name and it's Mm. it's all so good Although the name quality kind of declines with the rest of the kids that frodo (laughs) predicts he's like eleanor okay plus (laughs) Frodo, what, what was it? Frodo two or something like that? Is Frodo lad and Rosie lass and Mary and Pippin and Goldilocks? And Goldilocks. <laughs> okay, so some of those uh, definitely we hit a home run with Eleanor, good. and then we we're like <laughs> phoning it in for the rest of these kids. Yeah, honestly, like it really, it really takes takes some of the punch out of Frodo's little speech to Sam, where he's like. You're going to have your whole life. You can't always be torn in two. You have to be one and whole for many years. And you have to have all your kids like, you know, Frodo Lad and Goldilocks and Marion Pippin. And it really begins to sound like he hasn't thought this through <laughs> one bit. Um, also, I think like yeah. just going back to them living together for a second. Like, I know we've been joking about the polyamory thing, but like, I actually think it's re- kind of beautiful that 
even aside from that, that they can like have the situation where they basically have it all, right? Where they have their best friends around them, but also have these beautiful relationships with each other. And I, so when my husband and I moved in together, we, like my roommate at the time, who is still a very good friend of ours, continued to live with us. And it was like the best time ever. Like it was so fun to have Mm -hmm. that. Um, And it, it was just like, it was basically like, you know, you have your life with your, uh, life partner and then you get to have your friends there too um and it's it's like it's a beautiful yeah. situation and i was just like i'm so happy for sam that he gets to have this and i'm so happy for frodo that he gets to have this i think all of us kind of felt that way like i saw wanda you had put something in your notes about like feelings really resonating with that feeling of being split in two because some of your family lives on one coast and you're living on another right and like a lot of your friends are still on that other coast away from you and that feeling of like, how do I reconcile that? And it is so true. Like if I could just have like a block of houses where like my parents are in one house and my sister and I are roommates and like all my friends live right there on the same I think street. everyone has this fantasy of, the, be... of like a commune of everyone who's important to them. Yeah. In their life. yeah. And Sam has like the bit you said, Navia, about Sam or Frodo knowing that he was even more lucky because he has somebody to care for him is, like, really also, I think, a a very important part of that, of, like, we should have communities around us to care for Mm -hmm. each other. Like, that Mm -hmm. makes a difference in quality of life. And the current nuclear family (laughs) is, like, really not set up to support that. I think something that I've learned from living with other people is that it can be hard, but also at the point where it, where it begins to work it does just feel like it's a gift that keeps on giving where Mm -hmm. you never feel like like with the right people right you never feel like you are giving more than you get you always feel like you're getting more than you give no matter how much you give um and that's like i i think that is something that everybody wants and um yeah so it, it it seems yeah it seems pretty ideal I think in a lot of ways, it's like why the show Friends got so popular. Like, it's it's not that great of a show and it's not honestly that funny, in my opinion. But like, I think everybody watched that and was like, I want to have this situation where all of my best friends like live with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a kind of a, a fantasy there of just like everyone important kind of being either in your apartment or next door to you and ha- like having you know been in a living situation like that it's really fun it just it's objectively really fun friends is such a weird show it is a weird show the fact that it like has that premise and then also like everyone pairs up yeah but also like i mean would that not happen (laughs) no i don't i don't think it would necessarily happen i think that the yeah the show the show has a certain dogma um (laughs) that it does not need it could have just been friends being friends the entire time it could have been but i also think it's pretty realistic to develop feelings for people that you spend that much time with maybe not all of them but like (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh i was gonna say also at the end um something that i really appreciate is that when frodo says goodbye tolkien writes that he kisses mary and pippin and then last of all sam and Tolkien does not say, like, he kisses them on the cheek or the forehead or anything like that. He just is like, he kisses them. And I love it. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. care what he meant. I love that he just put that in there as, like, I don't need to explain this. Like, 
this is love, you know? <laughs> it is. And maybe that's also like it loops us back to why Sam planting the trees in the Shire is so impactful because it's just it's an expression of love. And this whole chapter is just like expression after expression of people caring about each other and like caring about their home in this really deep and meaningful way. And it's yeah, like it's hard to really mock it because it's sincere and lovely. Yeah. Yeah. For one thing, if you mock it, go to hell. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we say after we have definitely done a little bit of walking. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, hey, the sapphic thing was very genuine. Um, but <laughs> prove it. Except that they're not. It's true. Like we're we're we are uh, like fair enough. There is fair no enough. reason they cannot be. There's there's no textual evidence. <laughs> yeah, no one ever said that they're not lesbians. Um, I feel like when Galadriel gave Sam the soil and the seed that's inside that becomes the Melorn tree, she wasn't, obviously she was primarily giving it to him to facilitate the replanting of the Shire, which somehow in her elf brain she knew was going to be destroyed. She's probably looking over Sam's shoulder. She probably saw when, it in the or Frodo's mirror, shoulder right? when, when he, he saw, saw it in the mirror. When he saw it in the mirror, right? yeah, she was like, "Oh, gotta prepare again." <laughs> um, but it also has this like secondary benefit of you know Sam talks about being torn in two, and that you know that's not the worst problem to have, but it is very hard uh, to be stuck between wanting something and then wishing for another thing, and. Nothing can tip the scales and make it easy to like make that decision for yourself, like having something to like kind of having something of the one and the other. Like, and Galadriel kind of is like, here's here's like a little bit of Lothlorien, here's like a little bit of like uh, Undying Lands to plant in the Shire, and I think that's that it 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 gives them a lot to be able to have that is my hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. I feel when I when I finished this chapter, I like I didn't finish taking my notes immediately because I was just like I like sat with it for a few minutes of like how I was feeling and I I think that that's like what makes this a fantastic ending is that when you close the book, you're you're not like, well, that was done. It just like kind of stays with you for a while, you know, you like keep thinking about it and you're like, it doesn't feel, it feels satisfying as an mm-hmm. ending, but it doesn't feel like yeah. everything finished. Yeah. Tolkien, you got me again, man. You got me again. <laughs> I, I know, so much right? of that, just, like absolutely shitting on your writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like we spent a lot of the books shitting on his writing and his choices and i stand by a lot of those like a lot of those comments i think were fair and valid and justified and there's a reason why we said okay we're gonna read these books right and like and there's a reason why a lot of people come back to these books and it's because at the end of the day like and he really hits you in that last chapter and yeah what are you gonna do right like it's a good fucking chapter really comes at you hard with the rain parting like a curtain of silver glass yeah 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 
But it also made me think a lot about like how it feels about the pod ending, right? Yep. I was gonna say, are we gonna who's gonna segue us? Thank you for a beautiful segue. I can segue us. No, <laughs> I, I already segued. We, we segued. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just seg- like, no, no, no. I'm going to do it again, but better. Watch. I'm going to segue us even harder um, by saying that this is my official announcement that next year I'm moving back. To- and the, that is the true, yes! the true gray havens. Uh, Wait. Are, are, we, are we? Oh, man. You're going to bleep that name. Yes, I'm so happy. It felt very like personal reading the chapter because I was like, ah, like you know, I feel very conflicted. Like I love, but I fuck yeah, I don't feel conflicted. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Ride or die. (laughs) Oh man, I I can't believe you're announcing this to us. In a live, like in a podcast recording. <laughs> what the fuck are we supposed to talk about? Anything else but Incredible. that? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I actually like. I've I've been like kind of going back and forth on it a lot for the last couple of weeks, and um, I don't know. Man. Did reading the Lord of the Rings Here, help you? It. I think hearing Navia talk about like how good it is to like have all of your people around you, like. Mm-hmm just kind of made me feel like I I was not 100% ready to like say that to you guys but now I am <laughs> yeah oh I'm so happy yeah yeah we um <laughs> uh okay can, can, we, <laughs> we, go back yeah, can we can we revisit a little bit of business real quick I had a question um <laughs> Transition. <laughs> okay, well, enough with feelings. Roller Let's go back right to now. business. What's your business, Wanda? <laughs> uh, um, well, okay. Actually, this, is, this feels weird now. I don't know. <laughs> we have to talk about this. <laughs> just say it. Just, just, just do it. Just, just go, oh, okay. Go. Well, so um, I so so Frodo gets sick around March every single year after they come back to the Shire. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that that has to do with it being the anniversary of the ring going into Mount Doom. Um, I think it's the anniversary of Weathertop is what they say. October is the anniversary of Weathertop. Oh, oh, okay. So there's two. Mm -hmm. Right. So so Tolkien makes a note of Frodo being sick in like mid or early February. um, And he notes this twice, but he never really explains it. Should we consult the calendar in the appendices? We know it's March. We know it's March, right? Because Theoden dies on the Ides of March. So we know that mid-March is when, like, all of the final battle shit happens. Oh, my God. Is he actually brilliant for planting all these seeds? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's got got some of the master novelist in him. It's just that it's overshadowed by the... Really fucking poor editing. Really fucking poor editing. Yeah. <laughs> but he says uh, at a certain point um, when he's sick in March, he just says, it is gone forever and now all is dark and empty. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, that was interesting to me. I, what do you guys think that means? Is that is it is it him saying like, okay, the ring is gone and I'm sad about the ring being gone? I, I don't know if it's just like I'm sad about the ring being gone, but I read it as like him not knowing who he is without mm-hmm. the ring anymore. Yeah. Um, like it, it kind of took hold within him and became a part of him, and yeah. now that's gone. Yeah. But I also think it's interesting that like Bilbo's still chilling. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 
<laughs> First, how? Yeah. yeah, how is Bilbo still alive? <laughs> um, you really, you really want to cheer for the guy, but also he's just like sleeping all the time, which is what old people do. Mm-hmm. What is he going to yeah. do in the in the Undying Lands? Is he going to be the first person know. to die in the Undying Lands? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he like will at least energetically rejuvenate a little bit, or he just goes there and he lives forever at the age of 131, taking like the world's best naps. Right? Who knows? Yeah, it's, I think it's just interesting that like he doesn't seem as emotionally impacted by having had mm-hmm. the ring for so long. You know what I think is interesting is that in the movies, the ship going off to the Undying Lands, it, like, you know, visually it, like, looks very idyllic. Like, it looks like they're pass- it's passing into this, like, beautiful, never-ending golden sunset. And the books don't describe it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say that for Frodo, uh, you know, the clouds part, and he smells a fragrance on the water, and ah, but, like, for Sam... He doesn't see any of that. He just sees a ship going off into the darkness. And I feel like we're meant to feel not entirely envious of Frodo going to the Undying Lands. Like, this is good for him, but ultimately it's just another place, right? Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, we think of the Undying Lands as, like, immortality just because they're Mm -hmm. called the Undying Lands, but... There's not really that much difference here with like him going off as with him dying, mm-hmm. right? Like this it could just be an elaborate metaphor mm. for death. I definitely always read it or sort of parsed it that way as a like this is basically him choosing to pass on into the afterlife, right? And it's mm-hmm. like right. say what you want about the Chronicles of Narnia, but that whole like oh there's a second world and it's basically heaven mm-hmm. shit that uh, happens there is felt very much like this, right? Like there's another land and it's perfect and the grass is always green and the sun is always shining. I'm like, okay, so this is a like a heaven. It, what you're saying is that they go over the yeah. sea to heaven. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, not the most tactful or or not, not the most uh, subtle of writers. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard not to yeah. see that parallel here too. But the fundamental thing is that once you go, you can't come back. Right. And that's that's death yep yep <laughs> basically right yep. yeah <laughs> like, yeah right and even if it's a like a perfect afterlife it's like but it is permanent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know even the thing that he says to sam that frodo says to sam where he's like you know eventually you can join me it's like yeah we all die eventually man yeah <laughs> like, well and this is the part where I think, like, we do have to, I can't believe I'm going to be the person saying this, but, like, do have to delve a little bit into the idea of not everybody gets into heaven, right? Tolkien was Christian. And so there is this idea of Arwen gives up not the opportunity to die, but the opportunity to go and be with her family after death, right? In like, it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> so... That whole thing about like Sam has maybe earned a spot among the angel equivalent. Do in you the think elves, that she does that? But I guess I read that as her giving up her spot now. No, because but it says like she, she is never going to meet. Uh, there's something about like she will not meet with him even after death with regard to her goodbye to Elrond. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's going to oh, die like yes. a human. Now. Right. Okay. So like, she. Doesn't, yeah. Okay, so th- th- this is a, this is a special kind of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
what I what I do find interesting is that like I always thought, you know, in the religious context that heaven was like if you don't sin. Oh no. Then you get to go, right? But no. <laughs> Well, if you don't sin and you happen to be ascribing to that particular this religion. This is what's so great. If I can, if I can interest you in Jesus Christ and... for a moment, uh, the whole the whole idea <laughs> of uh, Protestant Christianity is that as long as you behave or as long as you believe in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, and confess that you are a sinner, you will get into heaven. Okay. So you can like murder somebody, but as long as you confess it and... Right, you have oh, okay. to you have to have like a spirit of contrition. You have to you have Sick, to man. be sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it's a very expansive theory of heaven. Actually, okay, that's, cool. that's interesting. Um, so maybe maybe what I was about to say doesn't really apply, but I do think it's interesting that like Tolkien has characters in these books that he clearly wants us to see as like the peak. You know, th- these are the best people, like Aragorn. Um, and even Merry and Pippin to some extent, right? And, and like, they don't get to go to heaven, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So he, even though it's like this concept of, like, I, I agree, this is, it's pretty freaking obvious that he means heaven mm-hmm. by the Undying Lands. But like, <laughs> it's strange to me that he has this distinction that like only this one particular race can go there even it like it, it does it's not tied to morality at all yeah i don't know yeah man <laughs> this is this just goes back to like the weirdness of the elves being like better you know maybe that actually like very... fits perfectly into what you were saying about christianity because the elves are basically the ones who believe in jesus and it doesn't matter what they do <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i mean i i i think it I think that the, the the mechanics of heaven and 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 of death are just are just different in this world. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I'm not I, I don't remember the lore on like what happens when humans die in Middle Earth, but the fact that elves that only elves and a few other select few get to go to the Undying Lands seems like more than anything uh, Tolkien saying like this race is just they're they're just better like they. They're they're mad they're magical fairy beings and this is a magical story, as Ashani said in one episode recently. I want I want to defend this a little bit because this is not exactly if you you know like rewind lore wise, mm-hmm. the elves get to go back because that's where they came from. Like it's not that they just you know this is like some magical place that they get to return to. Like they came to Middle Earth from these lands, mm-hmm. and so they get to return to mm-hmm. them. Right. Whereas you know, men and all the other races, like, have never angels. been there in the first place. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like angels. <laughs> but but it's not like a, like, oh, only my chosen people get to return to this place. It's like a, like, when they're done on Middle Earth, they go back to their mm-hmm. home, which happens to be perfect. <laughs> I just had the horrible thought of, like, you know, the joke about, like, parents telling their kids, oh, like, your dog went to a farm upstate, Right? Like, the mm. whole thing about, like, oh, your elf friend, he went to a boat across the sea. He's fine. <laughs> He's having such a good time with all of his other elf friends. <laughs> I'm, like, from from the perspective of the people who are still on Middle-earth, they have no confirmation that the Undying Lands actually exist. <laughs> like, there is no... There's actually just, like, a giant fucking squid out yeah. there and all of the boats get eaten. 
like nobody comes back, right? So how do they know yeah. that? <laughs> well, and I think that's part of the reason that I have never read the Silmarillion is that I I don't care to know about the Undying Lands, <laughs> and I assume that a lot of the Silmarillion is about the Undying Lands. I mean, not about the lands themselves. It's more about like. Mm. It's mostly about, like, Morgoth and his rise to power and, like, how that happens. Oh, okay. Well, scratch everything I just said then. But I, I do think, <laughs> like, I, I like the perspective that you end up with at the end of the series where you don't know anything about the Undying Lands. You're not really sure what it means that Frodo is going there. Um, mm-hmm. And what that means is that you really keep your own focus at the end of the day on Sam and what's going to happen in Middle-earth, which is theoretically where we live (laughs) like it it just feels like you're not you're not left like Tolkien is deliberately I guess keeping not so much on Middle Earth but like keeping the focus on Sam right like not not pulling a new thread at the very end of the book and making you think about like what's where's Frodo going I also like that we like you know if you don't read the Silmarillion then we end up with this we know that the Shire exists and is this, like, idyllic place, right? Like, we already know mm-hmm. that as a fact. We know nothing about the Undying We're assuming it's nice there, but, like, who knows? Um, and so Sam gets to stay in this idyllic place that he knows and loves with everything that he loves. And Frodo is actually going off into the unknown. Yeah. Right. It's a weird twist on this idea that, like, Frodo is ending his story because he doesn't actually know where he's going. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like that wraps up the final quick fire uh, or slow fire. Uh, <laughs> one does not simply. Unless we do the appendices, which will just We're be doing the appendices, fire. you guys. We cannot just not do, do You made appendices. me do the prologue. <laughs> I didn't make you do the prologue. You're saying that like I single-handedly was like, let's do the prologue, and you two were like, no. Come back next week for our 10-minute episode on the appendices. <laughs> we will do a movie watch. That one is, yeah. that one is yeah. confirmed. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you to everyone listening. I wish we could just concretely tell you right now like what our plans are, but honestly, we don't know. So um, yeah. this is going to be left a little open-ended for now, just like this book. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, guys. I'm really glad I did this with you. You too. Me too. Thanks for the idea, Navia, and for dragging us along on this journey. <laughs> yeah. It's been a real pleasure. It's been so great, and uh, I can't believe how long it's been since we started this. That, like, when we began doing this podcast, I was sitting at my counter at a totally different house in a totally different state, and all alone, and it was winter, and it was the pandemic, it, well, and it still is the pandemic, but it was really the pandemic back then. <laughs> uh, and now I'm here in my closet. And yeah. I'm going to move back to... I'm not going to lie. I did not think that we were going to make it all the way through these books. I, I figured we'd get through like half of Two Towers and then call it, but... What? Oh, I distinctly remember Wanda saying, I can commit to doing this for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But honestly, like, more surprising to me has been that, like, people actually listen to this. So, yeah. thanks. I can't I can't believe that you guys want to hear us oh, just wild. be unhinged yeah. for hours on end. But, but here we are. 
Thank you. Thank you all for coming along with us. This has been so nice to share with other people besides just my friends. Thanks for listening to One Does Not Simply. This episode was edited by Ashani. You can find us on Twitter at ODNSPod and Tumblr at One Does Not Simply Pod. Special thanks to Andrew, Sneha, and all our listeners for joining us on this journey for almost two years. If you like what you hear, give us a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to. been almost two years pretty sure it has (laughs) holy fuck okay hey i'm gonna stop rolling me too